From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Welcome back to the second half of my conversation with retired homicide detective Pete Panuccio, who's 40 years with NYPD, took him from the roughest of times here into the cleanup through 9-11 and back again. He left the department really just days ago, and we spoke on Wednesday. Let me remind you, if you've looked for a way to support New York City Crime Report, perhaps on the Patreon, there, where you get some bonuses, some lost episodes, and you get to join a growing community of fans who see it our way and want to keep it going, but you can't find it on Patreon by searching because of a shadow ban or something, not sure. But nonetheless, go to this. Go to patreon.com slash patdixonnyc. You know what? Better yet, here's what you can do. Go to my website now. Do it the easy way. Uh, crimereport.nyc and you'll see the link at the top of the page just go there and you're there crimereport.nyc click that link to Patreon you uh, you know can I'll see you there now while you're there uh, you'll see the high quality crime report t-shirts hoodies sweatshirts and tons more all in your favorite color and just your size visit the crime report store you'll get access to that right at crimereport.nyc Right at crimereport.nyc. Compound Media is off next week. Crime Report returns in September. Subscribe and watch me do Crime Report live each Thursday at 7.30 p.m. with the most interesting, funny guest videos and more. Now, enjoy the show with homicide detective and American hero, Pete Pinocchio. Every city this is going on. Some of the, some of the cities are taking uh, the help now, the National Guard and stuff, right? Are there a couple that are saying yes to that? Uh, yeah, well, this clown out in Kenosha last night refused the additional National Guard people and, and we saw what happened. Yeah. And um, my premise on this whole thing is is that no city should have to have private militias and places that have standing police forces what the hell are you bringing in the National Guard for? You should be taking care of this business yourself. You know, you look at Portland, Seattle these Politicians really need to take their heads out of their ass. and uh, But you know what? They have an agenda to push. doesn't matter how many people are going to die, how many people will flee the city, how no. many businesses will be wrecked. They just won't. Lives ruined, suicides, starvation, depression, yeah. drug, adu- drug abuse, uh, domestic abuse, domestic violence, child abuse. Uh, they're not even in the schools where they can catch it. You know, they, they, they're cutting off everybody's lines of, of, you know, communication, survival, connection to other people. You know, comedy, stand-up comedy used to be such a fun thing. We'd go out and talk to people and just, you know, people would laugh. And, and, and like, it was, it was good because you could say anything, you know. I mean, there was a the real – and now it's like live entertainment. It's, it's not happening. I, I can't imagine it coming back. And I'm not complaining just for me. I, you know, I feel bad for my fans, yeah, <laughs> who are missing? Who are missing? Uh, you know, me doing. The, you know how many? There were like fifteen, seven, maybe seventeen full time stand up clubs when I moved to New York City. Right now, there's zero, but we do have a thing coming up. We're going to do it in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. So, uh, I guess it's supposed to be some kind of secret show. You have to DM the guy for uh, for tickets, but it's probably sold out. I mean, we're, this is what it's come to, Pete. Yeah, we're doing leg comedy show, man. That's great. Yeah, punk rock, right? That's great. Yeah, let's all go sneak in somewhere. We'll have our own, you know. But <laughs> it's like you have to have a you have to know a secret knock. What's the password? <laughs> I think that was an old Marx Brothers. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, say, say the match swordfish. <laughs> uh, now, Mayor De Blasio claimed on Monday that the homeless encampments are very, very rare in the city. 
Well, that's funny. Uh, despite the well-documented proliferation of them. Yeah, I mean, they're everywhere. I just want to say, uh, once in a while, we still see something that's an encampment. I guess he defines encampment a little bit differently than we yeah, do. Yeah, I think he, he needs to really get out the Webster's Dictionary because, you know, I I came out of the Midtown, uh, I'm sorry, the Lincoln Tunnel yesterday. I only saw one homeless encampment. It stretched from 9th Avenue to 6th Avenue. That was the encampment. It was about three blocks long. There were that many people um, laying out in the street. So for him, that works for him. Yeah, it's well, only well, one encampment. See, what that is is that's, that's a, a hot spot, he said, which is people congregating but not setting up, you know, a, a living space, in effect. So if if they if they're homeless if they if they don't build a house, then they're uh, well. That's like homesteading, you know. Like yeah. back in the old days in the old west, you go out and get yourself forty acres and declare it a homestead. Yeah. Now this, we have corners. This is my homestead. This is my corner. Yeah. I own it. And man, people really do fall asleep in, in in some weird places now. You see, like stretched out on the sidewalks routinely, just routinely. You didn't see that stuff ten years ago. Uh, you didn't see. You just didn't see fecal matter in the streets. You didn't. You didn't see. You know, the, once you legalize taking a piss in public, essentially, you know, bring it down to a ticketed offense uh, or a desk appearance or whatever it is, then uh, you know, poop is soon to follow. And, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't unheard of, of course. You well, know. sometimes you, when you got to go, you got to go. I understand that. Hey, I get it. But find a private spot, you know. Um, Nobody wants to watch that. Yeah, you know, I just really don't need to see it, like, right in the middle of 34th Street either. <laughs> a 1010 Winds reporter had asked the mayor about the vagrants living under a tent, Whitney Avenue and Broadway in Elmhurst. That's in Queens. Whatever it is in Elmhurst, we're going to go deal with it. <laughs> This issue will be addressed right away in Elmhurst. Oh, you said the name of the place twice. Yeah, yeah. He means business. He couldn't find Elmhurst on a map. Um, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. You know, it's funny you bring up a point. There was, a, I believe, a Channel 7 reporter who homeless guy spit in her face, and she's been off air lately Yeah, because of why. the infection that she got in her eye. Um, I think she's newly woke um, to the situation. Maybe she went back to sleep. She was woke before. Oh, she's woke now because she nearly <laughs> lost her eyesight. But this is a reporter That's out incredible. in the street in the course of doing a story. And homeless guy hocked a loogie right in her eye. I hope she wasn't doing one of those trying to humanize the homeless kind of, you know, special interest pieces or something. I, I, I'd have to go back and look the story up. Um, it just didn't end well. No, not at all. And... and I, I've probably brought it up on the show before, but the, in L.A., I guess this was maybe not a year ago. This was in 2020, I, maybe. Yeah, it was, I don't know. It, it might have been six months, eight months. It all runs together. Somebody had a bucket of diarrhea, dumped it, and, and, and it jerked a woman out of a car and, and poured a bucket of diarrhea. Heidi Van Tassel was walking to her car near Hollywood's Walk of Fame when, according to police and court records, a transient with schizophrenia and psychotic disorders dumped feces all over her. And, and the woman was describing it. She was like hot. A bucket of his diarrhea. It was liquid. liquid. Hot liquid. I was soaked and I couldn't see. It was coming off of my eyelashes. 
into my eyes. Excuse me while I, mean, I go vomit. What? Um, Paramedics rushed her to the hospital, and she now needs to be tested for infectious diseases every three months. I mean, she has to go to keep getting tested, you know. It's disgusting. That's a weapon of ass destruction. It, yeah. It's nasty, <laughs> and, you know. It's something I won't ever forget. It was... I mean, it was disgusting. Crimes was up more than 50%. Absolutely. Like the attack on that woman on a downtown L.A. street. Absolutely. How could you live in this kind of environment? Keep watching. Just Absolutely. keep watching. It was awful. And it changed my life. Heidi Van Tassel says she's experiencing PTSD from that attack seven months ago. It's changed the way I feel walking on the street. I, it, it, it really should be against the law to dump diarrhea on somebody's head. Court records show her attacker was charged with battery and taken to jail. I mean, it should... He doesn't need jail time. He needs mental health care. I have empathy for him because he needs help. Heidi's attacker was found mentally incompetent to stand trial, and prosecutors tell the I-team he's now back on the streets. Yeah, you dump that on me, we're going to have a... There will be a shitty situation it will be going it, on. I yeah. can guarantee it. I'll never, ever forget his face. He's now back on the streets. Ah. Right now you're still suffering from mental health issues. Yeah, sure. It was awful. A bucket of his hot liquid. I was diarrhea soaked. He's now back on the streets. I, I think the tabloids are running out of ways to describe all these shootings, you know, because like they... they Every day. Well, we're, we're becoming desensitized to it again. Mm -hmm. um, back in the nineties, it was. It would take a very dramatic incident, or maybe like a, you know, some real like a Fifth Avenue homicide or something. For, or Brian Watkins' case, okay. Brian Watkins. Uh, he was the young man that was here with his family. Oh and yeah. They were going to the U.S. Open, and he was stabbed to death. Yeah. Um, it would take cases like that to get people's attention. But mind you, 2,000 other people are also being killed in the city uh, each year. Yeah. Um, we're getting, I think we're going to hit that level of being desensitized again. And it's it's sad. It's really sad. It, it, it's shameful. Um, I, I just, I'm at a loss for words, actually. Well, I mean, remember when Bernie Gantz, 1984, you, you were around, huh? As Eyewitness News, Roger Grimsby and Spencer Christian are off tonight. Good evening. It is Christmas Eve in New York, and the talk of the town is not peace on earth, but the violence among us, this time in the subways, where a vigilante and his gun brought terror this past weekend. The victims were four teenagers. Eyewitness News has been on top of the story. Tonight we have team coverage as police press their search for the vigilante. We begin with Milton Lewis, who spent this day riding with people who trust their lives to the subways every day. I was around for Bernie. I was around for Bernie. The wanted suspect is described as between 25 and 30, about 5'10", 150 to 160 pounds, thin build, golden blonde hair, and wearing glasses. Looking at the composite picture of the gunman, Dr. Schlossberg says his appearance fits the physical characteristics of a vigilante. Typically a person probably not very aggressive or forceful. Nine days after the shootings, having fled to New England, Bernard Getz surrendered to police in Concord, New Hampshire. The shooting frenzy ended only when he, Getz, ran out of ammunition. And would be described as kind of passive. I wanted to kill those guys. I wanted to maim those guys. I wanted to make them suffer in every way I could. If I had more bullets, I would have shot them all again and again. 
the old, my problem was I ran out of bullets, and I was gonna I was gonna gouge one of the guy's eyes out with my keys afterwards. Bernie, uh, you know, Bernie was a guy who I don't think a lot of people realized had been a victim of a robbery in Central Park a couple of months before. Mm. And I think that's when he got woke, and he went out and bought a gun. He applied for a pistol permit from the New York City Police Department. He was rejected. He said it was then he decided to pack a pistol, and he did so every time he walked the streets of New York. For the next that three evening, years, after two previous interrogations, the, man, the world would come to know as New York's so-called subway vigilante sat in a small room and bared his soul. The woman on the left of your screen was Susan Bray, assistant Manhattan district attorney. She interrupted a skiing vacation for the questioning that New Year's Eve. Okay, you you would speak with us about oh, this incident. You know, just when I hear New Yorkers speak, uh, I don't even want to... Uh, Mr. Gates, why these four? Why these four? Oh, oh, isn't that beautiful? You asked the question in an intellectual way. Why these four? Why these four? I didn't pick out these four. I never met those guys. I told you, you have it in here. I never met them. Why these four, though? I mean, because, because I saw what they were intending to do with me, miss. Miss, they were intending to play with me like a cat plays with a mouse. Now, you're not familiar with these things because you're not familiar with violence. They shouldn't have sent you up here. They should have sent people. They should have sent people. I'm sure there are people in the New York City government who are familiar with violence, who know violence, okay? Because it's, it's a realm of reality that you are not familiar with. The Congress of Racial Equality, a Brooklyn-based civil rights group, supported Getz. He was not shucking and jiving. He wasn't playing games. And, 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 and so, you, so you speak of these things in an intellectual value, in an intellectual way, and I am going to be judged on, oh, 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 this was not displayed, or that was not displayed, or how could you possibly have known what would have happened? I mean, it's the way how I look at the bureaucracy of New York, it makes me sick. Ernie became... A hero. Think about the fact that he's come back to New York. Do you feel he's coming back as a criminal? I think he's or? a good man. I think he's a good man. He wants to show the public, look, I did it and hey. I'll pay the price, but I had to defend my life at that instance, in that moment. He's totally, uh, you know, violated some rules and regulations, but at the same time, I have a feeling, uh, you know, he did something right. Having launched what was, and no question about it, even if this is to his detriment, a preemptive strike. That's exactly what it is. Seeing the gleam in their eye, seeing the body language of the individuals, and just common sense reality. If you ask any of the street guys or gals, they'd have told you the same thing. When they get into that position where they're surrounding you, where they're locking in, almost like in Top Gun, you know, he's fighting the lock in. These guys were locking in on Getz, knew he was soft. They saw the turkey with the giblets, gravy, and stuffing ready to be consumed on Thanksgiving. But, oh, what a surprise they got, because they never anticipated him fighting back. Victim or vigilante, the debate rages on. I think he did right. By shooting these guys. Sure. They tried to mug him. I think what he did was completely wrong. I mean, I think... I'm, I'm a law student. Two views. Four black male teenagers tried to rob him. He was gone. I think he was, you know, protecting himself. This is around the Christmas holiday. You got to look out for yourself. Of the four young men shot, three, according to police, carried sharpened, heavy-duty screwdrivers. They carried them for crime. I think he did right. I really do, because uh, somebody's got to do something, and the police aren't always there. Police reported receiving more than 500 calls praising the man who shot the teenagers, three of whom have arrest records, three of whom have sharpened heavy-duty screwdrivers. Milton Lewis, Channel 7, Eyewitness News. Where he became a hero, which, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't think civilians should take things into their own hands and go shooting people in the subway. Commissioner, the police department appears to be somewhat uncomfortable with this whole thing. Uh, if a so-called vigilante takes law into his own hands and there's a public uh, swelling of support, 
that would seem to imply that the police department is not doing its job to some degree. Can you comment on that? Yeah, I disagree with almost everything you said, uh, except that you, you seem to be holding the mic in the right position. Bernhard Getz was charged with attempted murder in the second degree and criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree. He overreacted a little, no question about but it. But you have to realize that he was, he was under tension. I mean, the man was minding his own business and somebody comes on him. It, it's hard to, to predict what anybody would do. A human is going to be a human, no matter what you are, black or white. You're going to defend what's yours. And it was after him, so naturally, he's going to react first. Chances are, uh, if he wouldn't have shot them, maybe they did something to him first. I mean, it's self-preservation. What led up to this violent outburst? Just another day of desperation. I don't think civilians should take things into their own hands and go shooting people in the subway. That said... The, the, the mood of the city at that time was this guy became like the hero. He was like Bronson in Death Wish. Yeah. Yay, Bernie. Ten years ago, New Yorkers cheered Hollywood's premier vigilante, Charles Bronson, as he knocked off attackers in city streets. If it was me, I would have killed the guy. I mean, if it was me and I had to defend myself, I would have done exactly the same thing. I think we've gotten to a point where there's absolutely, it's not safe to be here. And we're all victims. And if we allow ourselves to be victimized, it's going to yeah, continue. I think we're going back to the wild days of the West when everyone's going to be carrying a gun. The four boys in this case may have been tough. They insist they are not thugs. According to police accounts, the four boys were shot and wounded when they solicited money from a man on the train. But the father of one of the victims says his son didn't ask for money at all. One of his friends asked this man for the time. The time of day. The time of day. Yeah. And... The man started shooting. The next thing he knew, he was in the hospital. He don't know nothing else. He tells me he got shot for nothing. Police say the boys were armed with sharpened screwdrivers. One brother, wearing a mask because he was afraid of so-called police reprisals, told me his brother did carry a screwdriver for protection on the subways, but he said the request for money was a request and not a threat. Brother said that he asked a man for $5. They kept asking the man, and the man got scared. He was scared of them because all the two, other three kids kept looking at him while Troy was acting. He didn't try to rob them. He didn't man. try to rob him. He wanted to play the video games because they was going to 34th to play the video games. They didn't have no money. He had to hop the train, and, and Troy didn't want to get no ticket because all he did, he got a penalty loss in the case. That's all. Little doubt that teenagers growing up in this neighborhood learned to live by the rules of these mean streets. I, I, really, the shooting, pretty good. I mean, in a, in a stressful situation, I know that he's close. But, I mean, everybody had to be scrambling, and he hit them all. He shot five guys. Yeah, well, the, uh, what sunk Barney was, he said to one guy, uh, you don't look so bad, here's another. The most controversial of his shots was the one aimed at Daryl Kibbe, who was paralyzed and suffered brain damage. The so-called fifth shot. On the videotape, the subway gunman claimed he walked over to the last person he fired at and told him, you seem to be doing all right, here's another, and fired again. That apparent admission horrified many New Yorkers. Yeah. Right, kind of like... You just kind of blew your self-defense stuff there because there is an obligation by civilians to retreat. He, Police he, officers do not have to retreat. Civilians are supposed to retreat. He didn't have to tell him that either. You know, I mean, like, he didn't have to say. I mean, I'm sure that everybody in the train car had tinnitus at that point anyway. He, in an ironic twist, Slotnick asked the jurors not to believe his own client. The jurors chose to believe Slotnick's argument that Getz's memory had been distorted by the trauma and stress of the shooting. Yeah, but I'll tell you what the good thing was. Subway crime, I think, in the following week, plunged. <laughs> um, because, you know. What led up to this violent outburst? The shooting of four would-be robbers on a number two subway train Saturday has increased police presence in the subways. Uh, you know, it's funny. About two years later, 
I was, I'd worked all night. I, was, I took the subway home to Queens, and I get into a subway car. I'm by myself. The G train, the double G back then, it doesn't exist anymore. So I'm sitting there. An old lady gets on. She's sitting across from me. We're the only two people in the car. Four Utes entered the car at the next station. Some teens. Teens. And they immediately turned around and kicked a couple of the car windows out as the train was going through the tunnel. This old lady looked at me with a look of sheer terror on the face. So I have a, I actually had the New York Post in my hand, and underneath it was my off-duty 38 caliber revolver. One kid sat down next to the old lady. One kid stood by the door keeping an eye on things. One guy was next to me, and one guy leaned over me, uh, hanging on to the uh, handrail. And the whole goddamn car is empty. There's nobody there. Yeah. And this is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. This is not in the middle of the night. And... Um, he said to me, you know what time it is? So I'm like, uh, I says, yeah, I know what time it is. And at which point I introduced him to Smith & Wesson. The guy next to me levitated uh, <laughs> and slid. Literally, this is the old bench seating. And he just slid like a, uh, whoosh, gone. Yeah. The guy over me the, the, just froze. The guy across from me couldn't see that I had a gun in my hand, and the guy in the doorway turned around and said, Oh, shit, Bernie Getz. <laughs> and uh, they backed off, and when the guy moved, and now the guy, the guy was literally almost in that old lady's lap. Mm. I said, You're getting off the train at the next stop. I says... And I, they're like, oh, okay, mister, okay. I says, you're getting off the train because I'm going to count to three and I'm going to start shooting, And which I had no intention of shooting. But they need to think that, sure. And they got off the train. The old lady said to me, she goes, are you a police officer? At the time I was in plain clothes, I looked, uh, I was assigned to narcotics, I had long hair and half-ass beard, and I looked rather crazy myself. She goes... Thank God you were on this car. She says, do you know what they would have done to me if I'd been here by myself? I says, yeah, well, I says, you know what? They might think about it twice before they do it again. Yeah, you know, maybe. And hopefully those kids learn their lesson that this, you know, I never, I didn't even bother telling them I was a cop. I just let them, let that thought sit in the air that, you know what? You're going to fuck with somebody someday. And it's going to end badly. Yeah. Doesn't have to be a cop. Nope. And you and that woman still married to this day. <laughs> it's a long time ago, Pat. I hope she's still alive. <laughs> well, she made it through that day, thanks to you. Oh, it was a day in her life she will never forget. Yeah. Yeah. And now the story that you told the other night on Crime Report, when you're talking about the, how the, the situation used to be so different with the trannies uh, in... Uh, you know, you you had a, you had a, got along with this uh, this individual. Sweet who just, pussy Pauline, sweet. <laughs> never need no Vaseline. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's, she was trying to do, do business with this guy who was, uh, I guess, a Hasid, and uh, she wanted X amount of dollars. And then she, you know, pretty pussy Pauline there had a, had a lot to say. It was very self deprecating about his dick. Yeah, yeah, not really something I, you know, it was funny because uh, when we pulled up to talk, to talk to her, 
her uh, appendage was hanging below her dress, and I'm like, I says, I, I says, do me a favor, please. I just, you know, miss, please tuck holster your, penis. your weapon, <laughs> okay? Um, I really don't need to look at your junk in my face. Is with, but I got to tell you something. These are the people that we come across, and you know, sweet pussy Pauline was actually a very nice. Person to talk to. Yes. Um, no problem there. No problem at all. Um, given our respective professions, we actually had a very nice conversation. Yeah. Kind of like the uh, you know the cartoon with the coyote and the sheepdog or whatever the hell it is. Uh, it, I guess they were individuals, right? Yeah. You were talking to an individual, not a lobby. Had nothing to do with me being a cop or her, him, whatever, being... A transvestite, you know, and a, and a prostitute. Yeah, well, you know what my my first my first inclination was just as I wanted to know what happened. I says I that was like some insane shit, and uh, you know, but just out of natural curiosity, you mean? Yeah, I, I couldn't understand the car driving on the sidewalk. I couldn't understand her standing on another car, flailing her junk around, and uh, <laughs> you know. It, it was int- it was it was humorous. How did but, it come to that? I mean, uh, how did how did this, what what did occur? He wanted to uh, touch her junk. The price for that was five bucks. Then he wanted to put it in his mouth. That was twenty bucks. And the argument really began when she didn't get an erection. So she told him, "says Yo, man, this stuff don't get hard for less than fifty. And um, he was not happy with that. And um, I don't I don't know. What the problem was there, but you know, well, it's thirty dollars short. That's that's uh, <laughs> the problem. But you know, he that's drove a, away angry. He went away mad. Oh yeah, yeah. Bad enough. You're gonna complain to the cops about this. But, you know, I would feel a little deceived too if I paid twenty dollars to suck a dick, and it's like, well, it ain't gonna get hard. I mean, well, hold on a second. What kind of shit is this? You just, yeah, you, there's an implication there. That's it's it's. I'm sorry. Well, it's your it's, story, first off, you should have truth in advertising. That's yeah. number one. And <laughs> second off, you know, let the buyer beware. At the end of the day, you just think about this buffoon pulling up next to two cops and saying, "She tried to rob me. She took my five dollars." And you know, and <laughs> I looked at him. I said, "No, nah, bro. I said, stop." He says, "You were looking to get a blowjob," and not realizing that he was looking to. Give a blowjob. Yeah, he he was willing to accept your assessment. I'm sure. Yeah, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, and he was at some point. I guess the the light went on. Probably when I told him, "Get the fuck out of here," and you know, and oh, and she he said she took his glasses. Um, <laughs> had I been a little bit quicker on the uptake, I would have went into my jerky boys mode and say. Should I bring all my glasses? My Sol. <laughs> my inner Sol. Oh, shit. I mean, that's, are they known for stealing uh, glasses? No. I mean, like, come on. Why, why, would, why the fuck would anybody want your stupid glasses? No, she may have dick-whipped them in the face. I, I really don't know. Um, there was something, you know, but... So did, did she jump up on the car to avoid being run over yeah, by this she guy? Did. Okay, she did. So this guy could have been, you could have, I mean, he could have been taken in for like, you know, some kind of. Uh, yeah, but you know what? It, it's a, a different time in city's history, especially when it involves bullshit like this. Yeah, um, yeah. I think 
she actually had a pretty good laugh about the whole thing. Uh, she was on top of that car laughing at him and just whipping it around. And um, a resilient young woman. Yes, and um, and and I could see that you just everybody just go their separate ways here. We don't need to. We don't need paperwork on this. It, listen, it's New York City street life, circa nineteen ninety three, ninety four. And at the end of the day, I was a homicide detective. Um, I'm just trying to have a cup of coffee, uh, <laughs> looking for somebody in the neighborhood, trying to have a cup of coffee, and I got. Shecky trying to suck a dick, and I'm like, you know, hey, guy, the fuck away from me. I really, at the end of the day, I don't have time for your bullshit. Yeah. But this is a scene. I'm not saying it's always with the transgender person, but this is street life in New York City. This is the street comedy, and it it could be any one of that, you know, you know, think about it. People fighting. You want to see crazy? Mm. Go to the Upper East Side and watch people fight over parking spots. Uh, it, it, just complete insanity. And people talk about Karens being out there now. They've always been there. Yeah. You want to see Karen come out? You see a couple of people get to a fight over a parking spot up, up, you know, on alternate side parking day. You know, this is this stuff that goes on. And yeah, and, and and people people have to sit in their cars, you know, for inordinate amounts of time, you know, waiting until it's okay for them to be out of their cars and park there. But they keep this. It's weird shit happens here. It's, it's there's there's so many little details like that, and it's funny you should say that because an off duty uh, city correction officer died, and and man, he just got really shot up uh, by this guy while he was looking for a parking spot. In Queens, early Saturday, the man who killed him may have taken his gun as well. Uh, now, the guy's name is John Jeff, was 28, worked at the Anna M. Cross Center on Rikers. He was headed to a late-night party with a 26-year-old woman who is a fellow city correction officer uh, looking for parking on Ridgedale Street that's in South Jamaica around 3 a.m., which, you know... Uh, I guess they, they, you must get a feeling like you're used to being around dangerous shit when you work at Rikers, and then you go, yeah, I can go to a 3 a.m. party in South uh, Jamaica. Why not? Well, all right. I, I, I got a... At one time, I was 26 years old and went to parties at all different times. Um, I can't imagine anything good happening, but I, I, I will tell you this. If you look at the way correction officers work and the hours that they work... Would it strike me as, you know, unusual and that, you know, they might have got off at midnight. Hey, let's go have a drink. My friend's having a party. Oh, come on. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they should. It's not It's not bedtime. This you is know. probably an issue that Governor Cuomo, I don't mean to make light of this young man's death, but you know no. what? Uh, this is the crap that Cuomo's always carrying on about, you know, with people assembling and parties and stuff like that. But that <sighs> said, you're going to a party. You're 26. You're going to do what 26-year-olds do. But... To be shot dead looking for a parking spot? Um, the way it happened was uh, uh, he, just, he was trying to park. Someone in another car began arguing with him, so I guess it was over the spot. The occupants of both cars got out to confront one another. Jeff's companion ran to get help. A few mo- moments later, she heard gunshots, ran back. He was lying face up on the ground, shot 11 times. So this guy just emptied his gun into this guy over a parking space. I, I you know it's incredible, but this goes back to a lot of what we see today with people with impulse control. We just feel like they're going to do what they want when they want, say what they want. You know what? Listen, 
how about, you know, all right. Am I going to get into a shooting over a parking spot myself? No, I'm not. You know what? It's just not worth it. I'm not. I'm going to go somewhere else. You've seen too much of that stuff. Well, it's not the first time we've had people shot over traffic incidents. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this young man's dead. Bad enough. They shot him 11 times. Yeah, really, 11 times. That's ridiculous. What the fuck is wrong with you? Bad enough you shoot people. It's an overkill, and, for sure. you know, this young man is dead. And, uh, you know, and corrections is a tough job. It's not a job I think I could have done. Mm. I, I would not relish the thought of being in Rikers um, <laughs> with some... You're in jail at that point. Yeah, literally. And and a lot of the guys at Rikers... I, I think the situation might have eased up a lot because they pretty much emptied Rikers. They let a lot of these people out. Yeah. As I say, they walk amongst us. That's a relief. But you know what? At the end of the day, you're 26, man. You, you, you're going out. You're hanging out with a, you know, with your girl or whatever it is. Let's just go into a party. You ought to be able to do that. Uh, you know uh, You always got, uh, listen. They're, very they're, stressful job there. Very stressful, I would yeah, say. Yeah, but you know what? You also got it. South Jamaica, that, end, that neck of the woods out there, it's tough. Yeah. That's that's another K two uh, center out there, the, the uh, bus, the one of the bus stations out there. Yeah, it it it, it it's rough. There's some rough people out there. You know, it, when you're 26, 28 years old, you know, not always thinking with a clear head. Yeah, he's, and, and he's used to it somewhat. Uh, yeah, but but I would say he probably yeah. knows a lot of those guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, but sometimes you got to say to yourself, man, you know, is this worth it? Um, yeah. He should have went and bought the six pack of Heineken or something, and yeah. said, "Let's go sit in the park. Uh, you know, if you want to hang out with his girl, hey, give up the spot, whatever. You know, what I mean, like it's I don't know because it, you got to stand your ground. But you, you know, getting in a situation it. like that, and I, I I always figure like if I'm walking down the street, I'm fine. Somebody starts some shit. That's the way it's going to be. I'm not going to start any shit with anybody." Because of their emotional issue, I got to be, you know, some entangled. I'm going to get a tooth broken. I mean, at best, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be damaged in some way. I'm I'm not going to enjoy that because of somebody else's emotional issue. Yeah, exactly. Twenty six year old man is dead. Exactly. Oh, for what? He's dead over bullshit. And um, you know what? Maybe a year or two ago, this wouldn't have been an issue because nobody was carrying guns. You had to go home and get your gun. People were still locked up. Yeah, you had to go home and get your gun. You had to go yeah. home and get your gun. And then Gen- generally that you of calm time, down. You know, maybe that the squirrel that's running on a treadmill in his head finally works the thought around to like, hey, maybe I don't yeah, kill this not guy. Not a good idea. Well, hey, Pete, this is this has been a great hour. I, I've uh, I, I always enjoy talking to you, man. You're a uh, you're you're a first rate guy. Yeah, the uh, New York City Medal of uh, Honor winner at uh, 9-11, Med- Medal of Valor. Excuse me, Med- Medal of Valor. And so uh, the anniversary comes up, and the lights are going to come on, and uh, nobody is not happy about that. The, the lights are coming on grudgingly. And, um, you know, I have to wonder about it, um, because this was floated by the number two guy down at the museum. Um, I, I don't like... The site. I've been down there twice. Um, once on the tenth anniversary, and the second time when the Pope was there in 2015. The museum was open that day. The museum is absolutely incredible. It, it's you know they didn't pull any punches. Um, it, it's an amazing experience going to that museum. 
As for myself, uh, you know, um, I, the reflecting pools, it's just me. It's just me. I'm just speaking from my own opinion and my own experience. Mm-hmm. When you've been under 210-story buildings coming down, I really don't want to look at a hole in the wall with water pouring down into it because that's what immediately came to my mind. Um, that's just me. I, I, we should honor our dead without a doubt. Um, but I, I, it's just not, it's 19 years later and I'm still not comfortable being there. I'm just not. And, um, I don't think I ever will be, um, you know, but for the museum people, there's been a lot of politics that goes, goes on with the museum and the appointees and who's working there. And, um, there's issues, there's a lot of issues there run by people pretty representative of the, of the, uh, the political stripe of the city, I guess. Yeah, it's more the political stripe than it is of the the members of the, the you know, the, the, the people from the family that were killed there that day, um, from the first uh, the first responders, the, the, you know, the survivors. And so many who died later on as a result. Hundreds, hundreds dead now. And, uh, you know, this is, the, you know, absolutely horrendous. You know, but here we are 19 years later, and some jackass on the board decides we're not going to do the tribute this year because it's a COVID issue. It's a complete fallacy, an absolute, total fallacy. I don't know if they were trying to see how far they could push it. Um, His Honor the Mayor, jackass, you know, oh, yeah, this is a COVID issue. Couldn't wait to agree with that. Couldn't wait to agree with it. And, you know, my disdain for this man just grows in leaps and bounds when he does stuff like this. Just when you think he's hit peak de Blasio, he kind of notches it up a little a little while lower. Well, the funny thing is, this goes to show you, though, when you're dealing with skill levels, uh, Cuomo has Jedi-level master skills and political stuff because he didn't really say anything until after the outrage because people were livid. And understandably so. And all of a sudden now, Cuomo's on the bandwagon. Oh, yeah, we need to have the lights, this and that. It shouldn't take the Tunnel to Towers Foundation to have to pay for this or sponsor it. It shouldn't be the Port Authority police pushing to put it on a separate site. Okay? It should be where it always is. There shouldn't have been much discussion over this. We're managing COVID now. We're managing it. The curve is flattened. People are wearing their mask. The, as it turns out, I believe nobody consulted the actual work crews that were going to put the lights up. Didn't they, even ask. They just went and did it. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, the guys that, the electricians and the, and the rigging people, like, nobody asked us because you know what? We'll do it. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, those guys are American patriots. They would be come in there. They don't care about getting paid. To them, what matters is honoring the dead by putting those lights up. They could care less about the, about the pay, the salary. They don't care about COVID. These are guys that if you tell them, listen, we need you to do this, it's going to get done. Yeah, Those lights will go up. And uh, I just think it's disgusting. It's repulsive that, you know... It, this stage of the game, some people want to play. Let's forget about nine eleven. Um, 
you know, there's not a day that goes by I don't think about it. And all the people that, you know, and especially this time of the year, it starts coming up again. And um, yeah, always does. I'm not going to forget. My brother and sister police officers are not going to forget. The FDMY is not going to forget. The families, those people that were murdered that day, are not going to forget. And uh, you know what? There's a couple of hundred million Americans. They're not going to forget either. That's right. The politicians can play their games. And you know what? I'm not going to forget the crap that you pulled this year. Mm -hmm. Yep. I hope nobody does. Pete, I agree 100%. Uh, Blue Lives Matter. And uh, thanks for being here. Thank you, Pat. (laughs) 